1: To another edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast, Los Angeles, California. I'm the professor, Matt Perkins, and straight off the practice field, in Nashville, Tennessee. It's the coach, Corey Burton.
0: Well, so gentlemen, uh, excited for another uh, another edition. We wrap up our conference previews, get into a little uh, get into a little playoff prediction, and uh, I'm excited. We got a good show going on.
1: Definitely do, definitely do, Uh, but we are joined by the third amigo in the second city, a man who makes a mean mint julep no matter what time of year it is. It's our intrepid blogger from the Big Ten and counting, Josh Cook.
2: Yeah, talking about the Mac today, I love the Mac, much like Coach loves uh, Sunbelt and Conference USA. Sometimes these smaller schools that share our geographic area, we, we start to kind of fall in love with with. Some of the crazy uh, things they do, like
1: Bowling Green's high-flying offense and whatnot, it's it's fun to talk about these schools. Definitely, definitely. Um, So, yeah, like uh, you guys have alluded to, this is our final 2016 conference preview, and we're going to round out our series with some hot, steamy action. Um, So we've got a lot of good storylines around the heartland, and so let's jump right into it. Josh, um, let's get get started in the East. So how do you think things are going to shake out?
2: Well, I got Miami of Ohio finishing sixth and last, and I really want to root for Chuck Martin. He was awesome at Grand Valley State, and he's made the Red Hawks a little bit more competitive over his first two years. And with 10 starters back on offense and sophomore quarterback Billy Ball, I think they're finally back on track, but they're still a year away from really being able to compete. Uh, finishing fifth is Akron, who I will have a deeper profile on here in a second. I got Kent State finishing fourth. The defense was certainly conference champion caliber a year ago, finishing 27th of the nation, and several pieces are back, including the wonderful defensive back Nate Holly. If the offense can become even average after a 13.1 point-per-game stinker, a season ago the Golden Flashes could make a bowl, maybe even the title game if they get hot, the East is pretty wide open. I got Buffalo finishing third. They started 5-4 and four a year ago before kind of petering out, but they got four offensive linemen back, including John Kling. Lance Leopold went 109-6 at UW-Whitewater, so it feels dumb to bet against him. This looks like a club that I think will improve and contend. Ohio, I have runners-up, though. I love Frank Solich, and he's quietly made Ohio pretty consistent. He's now 19 games over five hundred. At Ohio, no losing season since 2008, but they're kind of in no man's land. They don't have a great defense like Kent. They don't have that stellar offense like Bowling Green, so I kind of picked them to finish in between the two of them. I do want to highlight Quentin Pauling, though. He's an absolute gem of a linebacker, and he led the team with tackles a year ago, led the team with four interceptions, and he housed two of them. He's six feet tall. Uh, which is kind of on the shorter end for NFL linebackers. So I don't know if he'll get there. But if he's fast enough, he might be one of those power safeties, uh, not as good as these two guys, but in the same DNA as a Bob Sanders or a Trey Palomaro. He's a really fun player to watch. And I got, as the champion, Bowling Green. Coach will talk a lot more about them. But uh, hiring offensive minds and Mike Jenks, and he brings – Kevin Kilmer with him from Texas Tech, I expect their offense to be clicking again. And one of the reasons is uh, James Napke was solid in 2014 when Matt Johnson was lost for the season. So circling back to my fifth-place team, the Akron Zips, why in the world do I pick them to preview when they're not even a contender? And that's because they've had a very interesting last decade of football. Uh, back in 2005, they won a surprising MAC title, but that coach's career ended 30 and 42 and four games under 500 in league play. They fired him after 09. In 2010, Rob Anello came in and was tasked with turning around one of the worst programs, and he actually bottomed them even further, going 2 and 22, 1 and 15. That's ugly. Uh, so in 2012, they made it higher, and that's where I kind of jumped into to following Akron football. Um, a lot of Mac schools snag that coordinator or a Power 5 position coach. We've seen a couple now go with uh, D2 and D3 coaches. But Akron pulled off a big name out of a self-imposed exile, and that was Terry Bowden. That's why I've been keeping an eye on them. So we all know Bowden's history. He abruptly left Auburn midway through the 98 season, starting 1-5, he was actually really good on the Plains. He went 47 and 17, won 10 games in the division in 97, went straight to the booth, stayed out of football a long time, came back in 2009, got his feet wet with Division II North Alabama, showed that he still had the chops. He went 29 and 9 before getting the Akron job. And his first year was a one-eleven stinker, but you saw the improvement right away. They went 5 and 7. His next two years. They went winless in the league his first year, four and four in his second year. So they were turning things around and all broke through last season. They won eight games, including a bowl over Utah State, their first bowl win in program history. So I like the coach. They have a beautiful stadium that was built in 2009. It's the newest stadium in the MAC. They're in the fifth largest city in Ohio, just south of Cleveland, and drivable from Pittsburgh and Columbus. So a lot of recruiting grounds, all these factors have made me convinced that this is a sleeping giant in the conference. So what is their encore going to be for their first bowl win? That is why I wanted to preview them. They lost eight starters from a fabulous defense, five offensive linemen, both kickers, their best running backs. But I'm optimistic that they have a veteran QB in Thomas Woodson, a transfer running back Warren Bell coming in. You know I have high praise for Bowden. I'm curious if Akron starts to show that sleeping giant potential with another bull run. And even if that target is a little too high, I know for sure that the Zips aren't going to implode as a program like they did after 2005. Very curious what Akron does as a follow-up this year.
0: All right, all right, all right. Um, very, very exciting conference here, Josh. I – uh. I'm gonna have to echo your rankings. Um, I, I think I stole your notes. I picked up something that, that said Josh Cook on them. Um, uh, so I, I'm gonna say that I'm gonna say that Bowling Green is my champion, and I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and jump into the preview. I, I don't want to waste a whole lot of time going through my rankings of why Josh. you hit the nail right on the head with that as far as this division goes. But you know, when you when you when you look at Bowling Green, you think of what Dino Babers has done uh, with that offense, and you you think of you know them being a high flying, high scoring, high octane type offense. Well, Dino Babers is now Syracuse, uh, and in steps Mike Jinks. He's, uh, he's a former head, associate head coach, running backs coach at Texas Tech. Um, he's going to keep that train rolling. All right. So, um, you know, they're going to, they're going to be the same type system. So the reason they're going to have so much success with this coaching transition is because nothing's going to change for them. I mean, they're still going to run that rapid fire. Uh, no huddle type offense. And, and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be an exciting look for him. Nothing, you know, it's going to be uh, James Napke is, is, is poised to take over. He's a senior. Um, he's going to step in that quarterback role and, and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be like nothing, like nothing ever changed. So um, the question marks on this offensive side of the ball is the receivers. You have Roger Lewis left early for the NFL. He had 85 catches for 1544 yards last year. Um, so in steps Ronnie Moore. He's going to have to be that senior that 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 the receiving core leans on and that uh, that Napke leans on. He had uh and then his 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 mate there, junior t- Tail Redding. Um, he didn't start until the bowl game, but he did get a little bit of experience, so he's not coming in completely cold. But um, he had 13 catches for 222 yards and. and and then let's, let's look at their defense now. I mean, you have uh, – you know, you have emphasis on you, – you need to have – you need to bring back the fundamentals, and this defense needs to do that. I, I think if they get back down to basics, they focus on the, fun, the the fundamentals of tackling, getting off blocks, creating turnovers, things like that, I think they'll be okay. Um, they return all Mac linebacker Austin Valdez. He had uh, 13 tackles in his first start against Tennessee – uh, he pretty much kept that same level of play all through, all throughout his, uh, season last year. Uh, you know, any, any, we talk about it in our favorite position to talk about here on the Liquid Motion College football podcast. Uh, be sure to check out our new logo. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Uh, it, it's the linebacker position. Um, and, and when you, he, he's joined by his fellow senior Trenton Green, he was another all conference pick after he had 127 tackle season. Um, And, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. And, and the the secondary also, you have veterans at Alphonso Mack, and, uh, he had six interceptions a year ago, and Clint Stevens, who had, uh, who had six interceptions throughout his, his career. So, um, I, I think that, you know, you look at their schedule, it's not going to matter. They're, I think they're going to run through this conference. I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be really good. Uh, you're going to see them score a lot of points. They're going to be high octane, things like that. So, um, but what I see out of this team, uh, Mike Jenks is walking into probably one of the better situations in college football.
1: Yes, uh, coach, I'm in complete agreement with you about Bowling Green. I think that they are going to be the class of the East. A lot of people like Ohio. I like them to be the runner up. Buffalo, I'll be taking a bit more of a look at here in just a second. Uh, I like Josh, I like your Akron team a little bit more than even you do. I've got them finishing fourth in the East, followed by Miami, who I think could be a dark horse, but Kent State is, I think, clearly at the bottom of the division and it is definitely a make or break year for Paul Haynes. And uh, I think he's going to break. But the team that I'm most interested in is Buffalo and they are in their second year now under former Wisconsin Whitewater coach from D3 powerhouse. And that is, uh, Lance Leopold uh, they went five and seven last year, most people thought that this was a uh, definitely an upswing for the program. Unfortunately, they had some very tragic news in the off season when linebacker Solomon Jackson died after uh, going into cardiac arrest after an off season conditioning workout. Um, so you know obviously they'll be playing with heavy hearts there uh, in Buffalo this fall but Um, On the field, you know, they're going to be running Lance Leopold's pro-style system. And the biggest question they have is they have to replace a four-year starter at quarterback. Um, uh, Their, you know, uh, starter uh, from last season and the last, you know, uh, the last three before that, Joe Licata uh, set pretty much every school record imaginable. And this year it's coming down to a two-man race between two redshirt freshmen, Tyree Jackson and Chris Merchant. I know they're battling it out in fall camp right now. I do not believe they've named a starter as of the recording of this podcast. Uh, But whoever whoever ends up taking the lion's share of reps behind center will get to hand the ball off to Jordan Johnson who was a backup last year but still managed to rush for 811 yards and 12 touchdowns. Uh they also have uh another shifty little guy out of the backfield named Jonathan Hawkins and he's sort of like the third down type back and he's going to be big in the return game as well. The biggest issue on the offensive side of the ball for the Bulls this year is their offensive line. They've only got one returning starter Uh, in center, James O'Hagan. You know, if you want to have one returning guy, center is a pretty good place to go. He's the guy who sort of gets all the rest of the guys in line is calling, um, you know, change of protections, things like that, on the line of scrimmage. So, you think uh, you know, that's a good place to start if you're only going to have one guy back. Um, They don't have anything great either on the outside coming back. Their number one returning receiver is Marcus McGill, who had 50 catches last year, but he was uh, only third on the team in reception. So, they're going to have Need a lot of guys to step up. Um, However, their defense should be even better this year. They improved drastically in um, defensive coordinator Brian Borland's first season in their uh, switch to a 4-3. But their 4-3 is a little bit different than um, a lot of other ones you come across because they tend to blitz the A-gap a ton with their middle backers and even their safeties. Um, They play a lot of... Press man on the outside, bringing their safeties down into the box, daring you to pass on them. And, um, you know, their top two tackles last year were safeties. So, and even their top returning linebacker this year, Brandon Barry, who does a little bit of everything for this squad, he was once a safety as well. So, uh, what they really value on that defense is, you know, especially once you get off the defensive line is versatility and guys who can make tackles in space. Um, they have a couple guys back on the D line, but no one who's really going to move the needle all that much. But I still think that this will be a very good defensive squad and, uh, stacks up against, you know, the best defenses in the conference as far as I'm concerned. And it will be, uh, you know, interesting to see who they go with that quarterback and what kind of steps that they can make. You know, if they get a guy, if Jackson or Merchant turns out to be the guy, they can have him for, you know, four years as a starter, and that would definitely be a nice um, sort of a stabilizing presence at that school. So, um, well, now let's head over to the West. And um, the West seems to be, uh, you know, as of late, has been all Northern Illinois. But this year seems, uh, it seems like it's time for a change to the top, doesn't it, Josh?
2: It does, and I think the West is – possibly the most competitive group of five division. There are four teams with legitimate explanations on why they'll win the title, and we're going to be previewing three of them, but we got to start somewhere. And I am picking Eastern Michigan to finish sixth and last. Uh, There's still a big talent gap that remains from some of the dark days of the program, but I am really optimistic – Chris Kreit. He's only been there two years, but I saw him go 42 and 22 and win two league titles at Drake. This is an FCS school in Iowa that doesn't give out scholarships for football, and they were just terrible my entire life until he turned them around. So I think they'll take their lumps again in his third year, but I'm really hoping they can win two of their non-conference games, and win two or three MAC games. Four wins doesn't sound like a lot, but at Eastern Michigan, that would certainly be sides of life. we have got Ball State finishing fifth. They have a very intriguing hire with Mike New. Uh, he has experience in arena football and in the NFL as a scout with, the, with uh, New Orleans before finally getting his first college gig in 2012 as the quarterback coach of Tulane. He then went back to the Saints as their quarterback coach and gets high praise from Drew Brees. And he'll get to work with a quarterback in Riley Neal who had a nice freshman year, all things considered, and new is a Ball State alum. So we could have a rare long-term young Mac coach if he wants to stay there and if things all work out. Still, I have questions about their defense and a few other concerns that prevent me from thinking this team will be able to crack the top four in, like I said, a very stacked division. So got to go somewhere at that unfortunate fourth place. And I'm taking Toledo. Um, Kareem Hunt is a delight at running back. But new coach, new quarterback, new number number one wide receiver, and three new defensive linemen. That's why I'm picking against Toledo this year. We got Northern Illinois in a very unfamiliar situation, finishing third. And I absolutely love corner Sean Lurie, just like everyone does. But the run defense was a little suspect last year. And until I see Drew Hare being healthy at quarterback after that Achilles tear last season, I'll stick with the two Michigan powerhouses. And the first of those two is Central Michigan. Cooper Rush is their quarterback. He's getting a ton of NFL eyeballs on him. The defense was 16th in the nation a year ago with just 22 points allowed. And they get eight Starters back. Among those eight, seven of them were the eight leading tacklers. And Tony Anise is a solid safety. I think that'll help make up for Devon Frazier playing now in the NFL. So, why did I pick them runner up? Well, they host Western Michigan, but I think they still have the harder schedule, even with getting that home date. That leaves my process of elimination, the team I'm previewing, and my champs. I'll dive right in to the Broncos. First and foremost, we've heard a lot about it. This is the best recruiting job in the league the last few years, so they have the most complete roster. The time to win is now for them. From that talent they have, Zach Terrell is a stud quarterback. He's got a ton of weapons, including receiver Corey Davis, who I think will make a legitimate run at the Bolitnikov. They have a insanely stacked running back group. Uh, Jamari Bogan was a thousand yard guy. He's back. Jarvian Franklin rushed for 700 yards. He's back. And to add to the embarrassment of riches, in comes Matt Falcon, who is a four-star kid. He had offers from UCLA to Ohio State to Tennessee, just to name a few of the power five schools that really wanted him. Talk about embarrassment of riches right there. Um their line last year might not have been the best, but they do have four starters back. So I'm not sure it'll be the league's best again. That's certainly not going to be a weakness. Uh, the few things I could see tripping up the Broncos is while I have zero doubts about that offense, their defense was not up to the task of being championship caliber a year ago. And so If Central or if Kent, both of which are road games for Western, if those two stud defenses somehow slow Western Michigan down, is the defense up to the task? That's what we have to look out for this year. And finally, something I know you love, Professor, will the special teams work? So Andrew Halderman was an outstanding kicker for four years. He's since graduated. Jay Schroeder was a 41 yards per punt average punter a year ago, and he graduated. Redshirt sophomore Derek Mitchell is now asked to replace two solid spots in the third phase of football. If they get into a kicking game, uh, that could be what trips them up. But honestly, you know, Western's blueprint looks a lot like Bowling Green's title run from 2013 with Clawson and 2015 with Babers, and that's just – going to be to outscore everyone else. Uh, Terrell, Davis, the line, that great running backs group, they are all up to the task, even in this stack division. But, you know, it it wouldn't surprise me because the West is so good to see P.J. Fletch squad get pushed a little bit. And if they get pushed enough, they could drop a critical game. And they're the favorites, in my opinion, but I'm one of the good people of Kalamazoo. It's not going to be a cakewalk. And the two of you are going to tell us why. Well, that's yes, right.
0: absolutely. Absolutely. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you my six and fifth team, all right? And then I'm going to preview my team, and then I'm going to shake out the top four. All right? And I think that sounds like a pretty good plan. So, Josh, professor. Coach. Number six is Eastern Michigan. I think it's just they're a, they're a small fish in a big pond in this division right now. Uh, they're – they're trying to rebuild. They're on their way up. Um, but Josh did such an eloquent job of um, breaking that down that I will uh, just let it be what it is. So Eastern Michigan is still in the rebuild process. Then you got Ball State who's sitting there dangerous. They could still play spoiler um, sitting there and fit, but I think that they're going to be just outside of this top four. All right? So my top four, in no particular order at this moment, is Western Michigan, Central Michigan, Northern Illinois, and let's go with the, let's go to Toledo, Ohio, to the, uh, to the, to the University of Toledo, and I'm gonna preview the Rockets here. I'm gonna tell you where they shake out, and, uh, I'm gonna tell you if I think PJ Fleck is gonna row his boat. <laughs> Alright? So, we look at Toledo a year ago, and, for me, uh, since, I'll be honest, I probably don't fall the Mac as hard as, as, as uh, as I should, because it's, it's a great conference. Um, but Toledo seemed to come out of nowhere last year, um, and Matt Campbell did a tremendous job building that team, building that toughness into that Toledo Rocket team, building that just style of play of hey, we ain't the underdogs, we're gonna make you the underdogs, and they kind of played with that, they kind of played with that, uh, with that passion, with that fire. Well, he leaves to go to Iowa State. We previewed Iowa State. We think they're gonna do. A tremendous job. They finally got. They finally got some good leadership. Matt Campbell, I think, is walking into a great situation there. We talked about that. Check out our Big 12 preview. All right. But uh, what's great about this Toledo team is that that mindset did not go anywhere with their new hire because they just walked down the hall, poked their head into Jason Candle's office, and said, "Hey, you want to be the head coach? It's yours." And he said, "Yes." All right. And he was their uh, he was their offensive coordinator. Um, so he just packed all of his stuff. Moved down the hallway and changed his door tag, and it now says head coach. So, uh, what Jason Candle has coming back, um, he still has the same mindset because he was on uh, Campbell's staff. But when he comes back with offense, is a lot of experience. All right, uh, you have two All-MAC running backs with Kareem Hunt and Terry Swanson. Uh, Hunt was uh, he while Hunt Hunt had an injury uh, that kept him out part of the year. He still racked up 1600 yards on, uh, and that, that, that's, uh, an eight yard, uh, per carry average Swanson in, in, uh, in a substitute role and a backup role rusher almost a thousand. Um, and, uh, so you have pretty, pretty good tight duo there. Um, the, the offensive line is coming back. Anytime you have a veteran offensive line, all right, it's a, it's a great thing. All right. And, and it's led by your all mac left tackle. Storm Thornton. And if he's not on the old name team, you know, I don't know who is. Alright, Storm Norman is coming storming through your living room out on the, in the ball. So uh you have a you have a dynamic pair of running backs, you have a veteran offensive line, you have an offensive coordinator that's already been there. That's a recipe for success uh for the Toledo Rockets. Um then who so so you ask, who's who's gonna who's gonna be the quarterback? Josh Ashby, who's gonna be the quarterback? Coach, who's going to be a quarterback? Uh, it's going to be Junior to be Logan Woodside. <laughs> Coach, who's going to be the quarterback? <laughs> there you go. It's going to be Junior uh, Logan Woodside. I'm trying to make the MAC exciting for our uh, as an SEC fans here. Uh, it's going to be <laughs> Logan Woodside. He was listed as a back as a backup. Did not play all season, but he was kind of taking those middle reps. Um, you know, he Candle uh, can can uh, he can trust uh, Woodside, and he, he knows what he's doing. He's going to carry it. Uh, you have Corey Jones uh, is going to be his primary target. Um, and then you have junior Cody Thompson in the, in the mix as well. He had a 22.3-yard average per catch um, in, the, in the 2015 season. That was third best in the country, for those of you who keep the stats at home. All right? I just talked about offense. Whew, tired. All right? So let's, uh, so let's go to defense. And, and it seemed like they had a dominant front seven last year. All right? But uh, here's where the problem lies, okay? Here's here's why Josh picked him, you picked them fourth, right? Here's why here's why Josh picked them fourth. And Mm -hmm. here's here's why I don't think they're gonna be the champions, but they're gonna be highly competitive. All right, they graduated a lot of guys off that defense, all right? So they're getting in a rush they're getting in a bunch of new talent, they're getting in a bunch of new guys. All right, in a scheme that well, it's gonna be new, all right? But uh, you know, they got some talented guys, all right, but they they have a lot of holes to fill. All right, so you have two-time all-max senior defensive tackle, uh, Travion Hester. Um, he's a proven guy in that front seven. He's the leader. He had 23-and-a-half tackles for loss and 16 quarterback hurries over the course of three seasons. That's getting it done for a defensive tackle. Defensive tackles usually don't have high tackle stats, especially high tackle for loss stats. Those guys are usually eating up blocks so the linebackers that we love on this podcast can go and eat. All right, so... Um, Earl Moore is a graduate transfer from Miami and, uh, sophomore in, for, uh, forgive me for mispronouncing this, Ola Sukanami, I didn't, I will be, uh, will be also disruptive on that front, front seven. Uh, of course, Earl Moore had to, uh, he was at Miami last year, but he's a graduate transfer so he can play right away. Um, he didn't, I don't remember him playing a whole lot at Miami, but if you're getting recruited in Miami, you have to be pretty talented, I imagine. Um, and then the the uh, the other end, uh, I'll, I'll call him O A, because I don't want to try to pronounce that again. Um, they'll be kind of disruptive up front. Um, you have your linebacking core, which, like I previewed Bowling Green, is going to be the strength of that defense because they have the most good guys coming back. They have senior they have senior Jalen Coleman and junior Jawan Woodley. Um, they're uh they're both very disruptive in the run game. They're proven tacklers, they're coming back. Um, and then uh you look at the secondary, you have safety DeWan Rogers, who uh who has sixty seven tackles a year. He was third. Uh he was third team all conference as a safety. Um, and then you also have Connery Swift and Delando Johnson um, who are uh who are quickly uh ascending up the depth chart. They're gonna take over as well. Um, and so you got a defense that they have some leaders right? it doesn't seem like their uh, their depth is, is, is gone a little bit but they have some guys in there in that first unit that are going to be great uh, so wh- wh- where does Toledo shake out I I think they're going to be competing for third I think they're going to give Northern Illinois a run for their money but ultimately I think they kind of just fall back into that fourth slot because not because they're not talented and if they were in the East I think they would be a lot better, but I, 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 just think they have too many question marks on defense and they're going to have to get, they're going to have to get comfortable early. And that's a tough thing to do, especially when you have the coaching change, um, on, on, that side of the ball. So, um, I, I, like them. Uh, they're definitely going bowling. Um, but, uh, I, I like them to finish fourth in the conference and, uh, they're going to score a lot of points, but they're probably going to have to because I think their defense, especially early on is probably going to give up a lot. Um, so what does that do to the rest of the division? Well, I think Northern Illinois is going to slide in there at, at third. Um, albeit a very unfamiliar spot for them. Uh, they're not used to losing up there in, uh, in DeKalb or DeKalb as they call it in Illinois. Um, and, uh, my set, my number two team by a razor's edge is the, Chippewas of Chippewas, Central Michigan. Uh, I think they finished second. They, they have a really tough schedule. Um, just a good and I think they're going to be tested early and often. Uh, I'm not sure that they can withhold uh, the rigors of this division, uh, which leaves me with P.J. Fleck and the Western Michigan Broncos. I think they're going to row the boat. I think they're going to win the conference. I'm going to go ahead and give that away. They're going to row the boat all the way to the MAC championship, all the way to the bowl that the MAC championship has played, and then P.J. Fleck is going to drop everybody off, and he's probably going to row his boat down to Purdue. Um, cause he's going to be the next coach hired at Big Ten. I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and predict that as well. So, is per-
1: um, here's my question is: Purdue a better job than Western Michigan?
0: At no. this point, I don't know. Probably not.
1: I don't. I don't. Right. I don't think it is. But I think that's a very. Uh, I think that's a very prescient thought, there, Coach. That it, it definitely feels like he's the kind of guy who would take over at Purdue. Well, yeah, I-, I mean,
0: you know, it it, it just you know have that name Big Ten in front of your uh, job description. But that might be a little bit more enticing, even if it is Purdue.
1: Well, either way, I, I'm with you there. I'm, you know, I'm making a clean clean sweep for Western Michigan uh, to win the West. But unlike you two, I think that Northern Illinois is going to have a, a, you know, a, a strong year and will finish as the runner up in the division. And I, there, I think there's a couple of reasons for this. I mean, you've got Rod Carey back, and he is coming into his fourth full season after taking over. Uh, for Dave Doran when he left for NC State just before the Orange Bowl in 2012. But um, this team last year went 8-6 and six after five consecutive double-digit win totals. And so this obviously was a bit of a step back last year, but they still made the conference title game. Uh, but the big issue last year, obviously, was quarterback play. And that was because they had injuries on top of injuries on top of injuries, which led them to start a true freshman walk-on quarterback, which is kind of a very scary thought. And Tommy Fiedler, you know, he did his best, but he's not – uh, he's not near Drew Hare when it comes to just natural arm talent. And they are expecting Hare to be back as a starter coming off of that Achilles injury that Josh mentioned earlier. I think I've got a little bit more faith in Hare than Josh does because I think that he will, uh, you know, take the reins of this offense yet again and, you know, and, and turn them loose and move out from, you know, they were, I believe, 66 last year in total offense and 50-something in terms of scoring offense. And I expect that to move back up into the 30s, maybe even the 20s as they get it going. Uh, and That's because they've got a couple of really good backs uh, behind, uh, behind hair, uh, led by Joel Bounion, um, which is a great French name that I get to say, as well as Indiana transfer Tommy Mister. And those two guys will make a really nice one-two punch, and I expect to see them get a lot of yards on the ground. The offensive line brings back three of their five starters, including their left tackle, LeVon Myers, but uh, he's actually not the guy I'm most intrigued about, and that's Mac- Max scarping. And this is a guy who can line up at either guard position or right tackle and be an absolute road grader. He's a beast. He's going to be someone that NFL teams have their eyes on in the years to come. Over on the defensive side of the ball, uh, they have a new defensive coordinator, and that's Kevin Kane. And he comes over from Kansas. And so when I think defensive prowess, I usually do not think of Rock Chalk Jayhawk. So he was a linebacker's coach at Kansas. But obviously, you know, you can't judge a Kansas defense based on him alone, that, you know, the talent gap between. Kansas and the rest of the Big Twelve is so ridiculous that you know you 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 know you have to hope for the best here with this hire. Luckily for him, he does get first-team All-American cornerback Sean Lurie. He led the country with nine interceptions last year, and he does a little bit of everything for them. Um, they have a they have a solid, if unspectacular, defensive line. Uh, these guys can definitely you know keep the run in check a little bit, but they are very stocked at. Linebacker. Jamal Payton and Sean Foliard are both back as seniors. They are the heart and soul of that defense. But their biggest playmaker back there uh, is probably gonna be sophomore Renard Charon. And he is a guy that they're gonna bring around the edge a lot. They'll drop into coverage. He's very versatile and uh type of guy they're very, very excited about. So I actually have uh the Northern uh Illinois Huskies uh taking over the number two spot in the That division um, ahead of who you guys have, Central Michigan. I agree that, you know, Central Michigan obviously has Cooper Rush, and he's, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. I'd say Zach Terrell is probably a little bit ahead of him, but Cooper Rush is a great quarterback. I don't see as much around him as you guys, I think, do, but I'm with you on the bottom three Toledo, Ball State, and Eastern Michigan. So, um, any final words on the Mac, Josh?
2: Well, since you guys just talked about Northern, And Toledo, I think I should announce to people, in the good city of Chicago, November 9th, that's a Wednesday, so that and Wednesday night game, the Huskies in Toledo. They're scoring off at U.S. Cellular Field right now where the uh, – Southside. The White Sox play. Yeah, Uh, and and, um, I am – Pretty confident. I would say I'm about 85% at this point that uh, I'll be making a little trip down the uh, the L train for some action in
1: person. I'm excited for it. I've never been to a football game inside of a baseball stadium. That'll be fun. Well, Josh, uh, who, who do you see uh, winning the title game between Western Michigan and Bowling Green?
2: Ah, uh, yes. So the superlative time. I've got Western over Bowling Green and what will feel like a race to fifty. Um, My Offensive Player of the Year is Zach Terrell from the quarterback of Western. Um, He's got so many weapons that I think it would be easy to pick one of his running backs or his wide receiver, but I'm going to go with him still. Um, My Defensive Player of the Year is Sean Laurie. This is a pass-happy division, as we talked about with Central and Western, Uh, so he'll rack up the interceptions just like he did a year ago. My Coach of the Year, though, I'm going to go with Central Michigan's John on Omega. And he's an interesting story. Last offseason, just before the season started, he was diagnosed with tonsil cancer, uh, beat it during the football season. They had a surprisingly good year Uh, last year. I think they're going to have another solid season. And um, PJ Fleck should probably win it, but he won it just a year or two ago. So I think they're going to give it to a little A little bit of a new coach and one with a good story. Uh, There's a lot of incoming transfers and a lot of good incoming freshmen. I'm going to go with uh, Keyshawn Watson, the Western Michigan three-star recruit. And that that is because Corey Davis is so good that all the defenses are going to be focusing on him. And last year, I believe it was Daniel Braverman was his name, had a great season as the one-two punch with Corey Davis, but he gave up his senior year, which is pretty interesting. So I think he steps in to that role, picks up a lot of receiving yards and wins the rookie of the year. I'm not sure a coach is going to get fired because I think Kent State is going to be improved. As you alluded to, Professor uh, Paul Haynes is definitely on the hottest seat in the league. He's been there his three complete seasons, something – that Miami of Ohio's coach and Eastern Michigan's coach hasn't had. And so he's been in his fourth year, and he's only 9-26, and 6-17. and 17. Uh, Kent State's got to pick it up. I feel like it's bowl or bust for him. He is a Kent State alum, so maybe they'll give him a fifth year. I don't know, but he's not in a comfortable situation. So that's
0: how I see the
1: Mac shaping up. All right. All Perfect.
0: right. Well, um, I'm, I'm thinking. Uh, I'm thinking uh, because of Western Michigan becoming the uh, the MAC uh, champions. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Corey Davis, the wide receiver. He's going to be uh, he's going to be offensive player of the year. Um, that obviously Western Michigan is going to win the boat race between them and Bowling Green. It's going to be a uh you ever heard the term track beat right uh it's gonna be a track beat uh, it's gonna and it's not gonna it's not gonna be the 1600 either <laughs> you stable the 100 meter dash i mean that that ball is gonna be i mean you're gonna you're gonna be exhausted you're gonna be winded watching that game it's good that ball's gonna be going back and forth so fast so frequently you're not even gonna know what's going on um so i i, I like western michigan it's gonna be a really entertaining championship game to watch actually and uh it's going to be a really competitive championship, but I think PJ Fleck is going to win that one. Uh, and, and that means Corey Davis is going to probably get the lion's share of the, uh, of the targets for the Broncos. So I think he's going to end up um, as many chances as, he, as he's going to get. He's going to have no choice, but to be the offensive player of the year because he's going to have the highest production uh, defensive player of the year, Sean Lurie, uh, out of Northern Illinois. I think, uh, in this division, he's going to have his work cut out for him and he's going to also get plenty of reps playing corner in this league, uh, with all the, uh, with all the rapid fire, high flying offenses that we got in this conference. He's going to definitely get his chance. Um, I think coach of the year, um, will probably end up going to PJ Fleck for winning it. Uh, I don't, I don't see it that way. Um, if we're going to go the new coach route, I, I think you should go with East division champ Mike Jinks uh coming in to uh to take over bowling green and uh I think that um if, this, if the if the heartfelt story doesn't win it, I think Mike Jinks will and uh and then that's who I'm gonna predict. Uh top freshman, Josh, you said Keyshawn Watson, wide receiver. I think Western Michigan's gonna need to be balanced and Matt Falcon, the running back, is gonna be the guy that's gonna help balance that out. Um, and so I think he's going to be the top freshman of the year um, because he's going, be, he's going to actually play a more important run game than anybody is predicting. Um, or if you want to look at newcomers, uh, you have T. Shepard and Warren Ball. Um, if, if you're looking at with so many transfers, I might even have a subcategory for, uh, for Rookie of the Year. So I'm going to go Warren Bell running back from Akron. I think he's going to have a big year as well. He's not a freshman, but he is a newcomer um, into this league. Uh, coach on the hottest seat, Josh. You alluded to it. Paul Haynes. He's a Kent State alum, going, entering his fourth year. Nine and twenty-six records just isn't going to cut it. He's going to need to have a winning season, a bowl season, if he's going to remain the head coach of Kent State. Otherwise, I think he's gone. Uh, and then uh, the first guy hired out of the conference, I think, is going to be defensive coordinator Brian George from Toledo. Uh, I think he's going to be the first guy uh, that's hired for one of these uh, bigger jobs. And when I say bigger, I might be just like a, like a lower-level power, uh, power 5 conference, maybe. Uh, but I think he's going to be the first coordinator that they plug out of the back.
1: All right. Well, um, I'm going to make it a clean sweep for Western Michigan in the title game, and as well as for Sean Laurie as the Defensive Player of the Year. But my Offensive Player of the Year is, uh, Coach, from your team, Kareem Hunt. He's just—I think he, his talent level is just a step up from almost everyone else in this league, and I think that even though he is going to be running behind a completely rebuilt offensive line, uh, he just needs, uh, you know, a, a flash of daylight and he's gone. So I still expect him to, uh, you know, lead the league in rushing and take home offensive player of the year. Um, my rookie of the year is—I'm uh, going with Tyree Jackson, the aforementioned quarterback at Buffalo. Uh, it looks like he's going to, you know, win the job there, and I think that he will thrive in Leopold's system. And because of that, I have Buffalo finishing eight and four, and Leopold winning coach of the year um, in, uh, in in the MAC, finishing third in the in the East, but coming in uh, with with a nice winning record to a decent bowl game. Uh, Paul Haynes is first fired. Absolutely, uh, I don't. I do not foresee big things for Kent State this year. So, is does your,
2: does your Buffalo love
1: require a disclaimer? No, because I actually have no. I, I have no like strong affinity for the football program. Right. Like my, my affinity is only for the professional it, team of the town. All right. Well, I mean. I didn't know. I didn't well, know what uh, I, what Homerism I I, was, I you could call me more of a Wisconsin Homer with my love of Lance Leopold if if anything. <laughs> So, um, well, that, that's going to wrap up our previews for all of the conferences in the country. And so with that, we got to quickly jump uh, for just the last few minutes. We've got here together to talk about the playoffs. So, playoffs? Um, so we've, playoffs? we've each got four teams into the playoffs who we think are going to be there. And so, uh, Josh, who are your four and what seeds will they have?
2: Oh, I didn't think about doing seeds. I kind of went in order of, in terms of being a lock. Okay, yeah. Talk yourself into the seeds. Yes. Well, I was, I was about to say, based on how much of a lock they are, that almost reflects what seed day would be. Um, okay. I, I really like Florida State. They, they have that big game against Clemson, obviously, but –
1: but they get it at home. I, that, that's yeah. such a huge. That's such a huge factor.
2: Yeah, and and while I love Pittsburgh, and I'm not going to say that this is reminiscent of the Big Twelve North days, but the Coastal is obviously a step behind, which I think allows Florida State to have probably the easiest conference title game. So Florida State was a no-brainer for me. Alabama was also a no-brainer for me. And Ohio State was also kind of a no-brainer for me. We saw one loss Big Ten team get in a year ago. So I, I really like the odds of those three teams. And this is where I had the hardest decision for me. Um, I completely nuked the Pac-12 because I think that conference can get 10 bowl teams if Colorado steps up. It's really that good. As a result, there's going to be a lot of damage I think Stanford has a much harder schedule, so they could have a lot of losses and still win the league. I think UCLA is the most likely to make the tournament, but even them, I'm seeing some losses. And a similar story with the Big 12. Oklahoma has Houston and Ohio State in the non-conference before playing the full-round robin. Uh, That's tough. That's going to be very, very tough for the Big 12. So that means I'm going with the Houston Cougars. They have a delightful mix of getting that marquee game with Oklahoma. But unlike some of their fellow group of five teams, they still have some good games that will help their strength of schedule. We like Cincy. We like Temple. We like South Florida. So they're going to get a decent championship game in their own division. They've got Navy, who's pretty good. Memphis, we don't see falling apart. So, I'm going to go with Houston as a little bit of an oddball for this tournament. And lastly, I was trying to see if there was any path to a conference getting two teams in. And I don't believe there is, but the best-case scenario would be the Big Ten. And the way I see that happening is Iowa or Nebraska – Go eleven and one or twelve and zero, and then they upset Ohio State. But Ohio State has in their back pocket wins over Oklahoma, Michigan, and Michigan State. Um, so that would be pretty hard to to knock Ohio State off if they lose a competitive Big Ten championship. But there's so many factors in play that other conferences would need to be eliminated before you get get to it. So I I, I put the odds of that happening at about two percent. That seems like the Big Ten would be the most likely with those long odds to get two teams in. So Florida State, Ohio State, Bama, Houston, and I kind of like that order. So I'll have those be my seeds. All right.
0: Coach? Well, um, I'll, I'll give you my two mortal locks, and that's uh, Ohio State and Alabama. Um, I think Alabama, if if they win the uh, – or when they win the SEC championship, I should say, based on my prediction, uh, they will get the number one seed because they're Bama and they've won the national a few, a few dozen times. Um, if you're not a Bama fan, I think it's like 13. If you're a Bama fan, I think it's 33 national championships or something like that. Um, I think they're going to be the number one seed. I think Ohio State's going to come in as a number two. Uh, I, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with my ACC champion, uh, the Clemson Tigers, as my three seed. I think they're going to match up with Ohio State uh, in and then, uh, I, I was going through, I was going through the other conferences. I was kind of, I was kind of going through the list of teams and running through it in my head, even just now. Um, and I don't think Oklahoma's going to get there because I think they're going to, uh, I think they probably out of all the schools, I think they have the best chance if they can run the table, uh, in the Big 12, uh, maybe even with still with a loss to Houston. I still think they can, they have a chance of getting in. So they're going to be my 1A for that fourth spot. Uh, my one B for that fourth spot is going to be the Houston Cougars, because if they can knock off Oklahoma and, and go undefeated the rest of the way, uh, they will probably most definitely get in. Uh, so they're my one B. And then uh, for sake of argument, if we're, if we're going to conferences, uh, I think Florida State has the best chance of getting in as that uh, as that other other team, because I think their only challenge this year, really, uh, unless they have a brain fart somewhere around their schedule, I think it's going to be that Clemson game. If they lose a tough, competitive uh, matchup against against the Tigers, which I think they will, um, then then uh, there's no reason why they shouldn't still be sitting there at that fourth spot um, at 11 and one, uh, ready to uh, ready to jump in the playoffs. So I, I think that by virtue of what's going on this year and how the talent kind of shakes out, I like the ACC it has the best chance because of scheduling to get two teams in. Uh, then I think you go to an Iowa. Uh, you're going to go to another conference with two teams, and then uh, then out of the Pac-12, I think too much has. I think there's too many variables at play for for UCLA to, for me to feel good about predicting them at this moment. But I do think they have a good shot at it. Uh, Stanford uh, will have a lot of work to do as well. Um, they have to get through a really tough divisional schedule in order to uh, in order to make that game. So. Um, For argument's sake, I'm going to go with Oklahoma as my 1A, and we'll have them as a four-seat as as the Big 12 champions. Uh, And Then Houston's going to be knocking on the door right there. I'm going to say that Oklahoma's going to – at this moment, I'm going to say Oklahoma's going to beat Houston um, and run the table.
1: All right. Well, um, I've got in order. I have an undefeated Florida State team as the number one seed. Uh, they're running the table, including beating Clemson at home. Coach, I'm with you. If I think the best chance at one conference getting two teams is Florida State and Clemson. Um, if it is uh, the loser of that game, if they go undefeated, if it's a close competitive game, I can see that team making it into the playoff. My second seed will be a 12-1 and Alabama team. I think Alabama loses this year to LSU, runs the table. Otherwise, uh, handily wins the SEC title game over Georgia or Tennessee or whoever they see there and ends up with the number two seed. Number three seed for me is a – Houston Cougar team that beats Oklahoma um, to open the season and just runs away against the rest of the American. You know, guys, how much I love the American Conference, but Houston is head and shoulders above the rest this year. Tom Herman for National Coach of the Year. Um, And my fourth team in is from a conference that you guys did not pick. It is the UCLA Bruins, a 12-1 Bruins squad who will beat – uh Stanford in the title game with UCLA's one loss coming in week uh or I should say uh on Saturday, October fifteenth at Washington State. That will be their one loss on the year. They get the rest of their tough games at home, including USC in the Rose Bowl. They get Stanford at home, they get Arizona at home, they get Utah at home. Uh, their toughest road game is gonna be that Washington State game. And, um, you know, after that, probably either their toughest road game would be BYU or Texas A&M, both very beatable teams. So then I've got Florida State over UCLA in the first national semifinal, Alabama over Houston in the second, and then FSU as my eventual national champion. So um, I, I'm big on the Noles this year. So. You know what?
0: I, I didn't run through my, my predictions here. I like – I like uh, – well, right now, I like Alabama beating Oklahoma. Um, I'll take, I'll take Ohio State over Clemson. And then I'll take, uh, a rematch of the game two years ago. Um, and I think, uh, I think, I think Ohio State will get them again.
1: All right. Josh, any thoughts mm. on national champion? Mm. Or are you going re- re- to wait till put go on o- the blog?
2: No, I think Ohio State is the type of team where, they're young, so they're not a lock necessarily. Even though we all love them, but if they do make the t- tournament, they'll be peaking at the right time. They'll be one of those teams that kind of like a slow engine. They'll keep rolling and rolling and rolling. And once they get to that tournament, I think they'll be unstoppable. So I have them uh, winning their the two three game over Alabama. Believe it or not, the rematch. We all know how Urban Myers seems to get under. The, uh, the annoyance gets under Nick Saban's skin. So I got Ohio State over Alabama in the semifinal. Florida State, unfortunately, ends Houston's run. But then Urban Meyer, the old Florida guy, sticks it to Knowles Nation yet again. All the people in Tallahassee have to see
1: him eating some victory pizza instead of loser pizza. Well, uh, so that that's two Ohio State national titles and one Florida State national title predicted by a legal motion. So that's going to do it for uh, our team season previews. Any final words from you, coach?
0: Well, uh, it's going to be an. Ex- I, I think the uh, as always, the playoffs is probably going to uh, it's probably going to shuffle about seven hundred times. Um, so it's going to be an exciting run. But I think I think Josh hit the nail on the head. Ohio State's a young team, but they're going to peak at the right time.
1: All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time. See you. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion.